0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to PR Masters, a podcast series sponsored by the Stevens Group and ComPro. I'm Arch Stevens, your host, and I am pleased to tell you that today's edition of PR Masters is number 65 in our series. That's right. We have 65 masters so far, and I'm just delighted to have the opportunity to chat with each of them. In this particular podcast series, we honor legends in the world of public relations, individuals, who have left an indelible mark on the role and progress public relations has made in the world. Today is no exception. Today we honor Ben Choder, the man who transformed the way people connect and share information. Ben has had a major impact on developing and evolving virtual events. He's been at the forefront of creating the tools communicators need and use. Always one to think outside of the box, Ben Choder has established himself as a pioneer of online communications through PR IR interactive and streaming content he's a leader with 20 plus years of experience in enterprise communications social media and digital health as president of notified he ran the world's only communications cloud for events public relations and investor relations Ben continues to transform the way people connect and share information he's always worked to consistently raise the bar when it comes to virtual, hybrid, or in-person events, as well as public relations, investor relations, and digital health. So it's my pleasure today to welcome Ben Choder. Ben, how are you today?
1: Wow, Art, what an introduction, and I'm humbled to be one of the 65 PR masters. I'm honored, thank you so much.
0: You're very welcome. You, you deserve that moniker, uh, as well as anybody else who has been a PR master on our series for the past three years. So your name, Ben, in the PR industry is synonymous with online communications through PR, IR, interactive, and streaming content. And as president of Notified, you ran the world's only, only communications cloud for events and PR and investor relations Ben, please tell us how you got into these very specialized niches and how you became truly a pioneer in them.
1: You know, it's it's a really great question. Well, first, you know, it it goes back. I've always believed that PR and communications is vital for any business. And in a lot of cases, it's overlooked, right? You have to build a good company. You have to have good product. You need to build a good team. But at the same time, you can't just build things and expect people to know about your, your company and your brand. And, you know, over 20 years ago, I fell in love with video. And the ability to stream video was the thing that first, you know, I got hooked on, right? The ability 20 years ago to deliver video live on someone's computer or device just for me, was I saw the world changing, right? Because think about back then, there was no Netflix, there was no Hulu, there was no live streaming platforms. It was really truly, you either had to physically be at an event or at a location um, to participate with it. Netflix at that time was still sending you DVDs. People were still going to drop yeah, right? And yeah. and so, yeah, I know, it's it's crazy, right? And now... 20 years later, no one uses DVDs, you're one click away from not only communicating with
0: your global audience,
1: all your employees, all your customers, you can create content and deliver, look, look at this podcast, Are you're, you're interviewing so far 65 PR masters, and everyone is remote, and you're interviewing them, and then through a few clicks and a little editing you're going to make them available for people to listen on their iPhones, on their computers, on their devices, wherever they are, whether they're on a train, in a car, in their office, in their home, it doesn't make a difference. And to me, that's what's always gotten me excited. What can be done? How do we become better communicators? And for me, the whole business of PR and IR in a lot of ways is the ability to be able to communicate with your constituents, right? Whether they are an IR shareholders, whether they're the retail investors, whether, you know, they're large conglomerates or your clients. And in the world of streaming and the r- world of marketing and PR, it's the same thing. How do I got get my message to my audience anywhere? And the best part to me about how we change and how we use video and streaming is you now can create micro-influencers. You can reach an audience with something targeted. You don't have to create content that's meant for a masses. You can create content that's meant for a few or a, a subgroup that's interested. And to me, that's what this, that's what get this, gets me excited, or every morning when you wake up and you go, "How can I help the world communicate?"
0: Well, given what you just described, and, you know, it, it's fascinating, it truly is. I mean, uh, the, uh, the skills and capabilities we now all have as a result of pioneers like you. Was there a time when there was an aha moment? You know, uh, how, did you, how did you come up with a concept to begin with? And what were you doing at the time, you know, when you began to realize that there was all of this capability ahead of us and you took advantage of it? we were in industries that did not
1: embrace technology, right? PR did not embrace technology Um, production, right? Content was all about the shoot, the recording, but no one really was thinking about how do I deliver that content to my audience and make it simple. And I kind of feel lucky that I, you know, was young in the late 90s as the world was changing from an analog to a digital world. And I feel like, you know, as one of the pioneers in the space is we were able to embrace it and have that vision around the corner of where it's going. We were able to say, what if, and able to make that happen. And to me, that was the aha moment was the first time I was able to see video streamed to me from a remote location on a topic that I was interested in that was not meant for millions of people, it was meant for a subgroup. And from that moment on, fell in love with video streaming, fell in love with communication, and that led me to the world of PR. When you think of PR, it's all about communicating to your audience and the new wave is now how do we take PR as in just in general and your PR communication and give incredible data back. So it's not just about vanity matrix anymore. And this is what gets me excited. It's not about you send a press release and all you care about is how many people see it. You, you know, you do a press conference and it's not just about the masses. It's about how do I get that information back and be able to give tangible data back to that PR professional and that's the moment you go wow PR tech has come to a new level it's not just about doing your PR messaging it's about how do I get that information back and also how do I enable the army of micro influencers to take my messaging and deliver it out because the best part about PR For the most part, it is about earned media, and that is what we're giving the tools for. You have to send your information out, get that great earned media back, deliver it back to numbers that the C suite is really, really interested in.
0: Ben, was there any uh, initial resistance? You know, I uh, I don't like to talk about uh, the fact that I I had been in public relations a long time, but uh, but I was, you know, I had a. Public relations firm in New York called Lopes and Stevens, and of course we were traditionalists at some point. You know, you know, we sent out press releases, we sent out pitch letters, you know, and we did market by market tours for our clients. Was there any resistance to what you were uh, pioneering, and uh, who, yeah. who were like among the first to embrace it?
1: it art, it, there was lots of, of pushback at first because it's an industry that has been doing it the same way for decades. And and not that it's wrong. It just never really embraced technology the way we'll call the CMO's office. The chief marketing officer was always embracing technology. The PR was writing great copy, delivering it on the wire, you know, creating an event or some kind of showcase, but didn't always embrace technology. I really think, over the last three or four years, and I'll actually say one of the catalysts has been COVID because we were forced not to be in the office together. We were forced to be remote. And you were using all these technologies on your own. So PR tech sort of got to a new level. I want to be able to log in in one place. I want to be able to do my social listening, my media monitoring. I want to be able to see who my media contacts are. I want to be able to reach them with content. I want to be able to click a button and send a press release. I want to be able to embed in that press release video. I want to be able to create video content and distribute it to an audience, but all from one location. So I feel like PR tech has grown 10 years worth in two years of COVID. Um, And that to me is exciting. we basically crossed the chasm. There's no returning back. PR and, P and technology are now forever embedded with each other, and all organizations will be continuing to add to their PR stack going forward.
0: So ben, not only are you uh, a pioneer in all of this, uh, but you you also seem to be, and uh, very positively so, an evangelist. You know, telling you know the PR masses uh, what they need to do going forward. Do you sometimes feel like that?
1: I feel like sometimes you you have to jump on the largest soapbox and say, come on, people, don't you get it? This is, this is where you're going. And, you know, you've got to give the, a, the traditional PR, you know, a little credit, right? This is how we've done it for decades, like I said before. Moving to something new and trying something new isn't easy, but it works. It's about reach at the end of the day. All we want to do as PR professionals is get the message out, reach our audience, and have them do something, right? What's the call to action? And that's what technology is all about. And I love I love talking about it because it's an incredible industry that still is just embracing technology. So imagine what's going to happen over the next five years, or that's what gets me really excited. Like, where is this industry going to be in 2027, 2028? I just want to sit back and I want to watch because it is going to just continue to grow. And we all know nothing's more valuable than earned media Um, and actually more powerful than paid media, in my opinion. And that, to me, is what the key of all PR is.
0: Well, you know, uh, Ben, as you may or may not know, you know, of course, I used to have a public relations firm and then I sold it and I transitioned into mergers and acquisitions, you know, which I've been doing now for a number of years in the PR agency industry. And one of the things that buyers are always interested in is the the, the degree to which a uh, an agency that may be being considered to be acquired, the extent to which that agency is involved in technology and state-of-the-art digital mm-hmm. interactive. You must hear that a lot, don't you?
1: I, I hear it tremendously. So, Art, I'm really interested since you do M&A in this space. Are you finding more and more agencies that you're dealing have built technology or have partnered technology?
0: Combination of both, Ben. Uh, technology is really important, you know, and it's not so much that agencies are doing this, you know, because they're considering being sold at some time. They're doing it, you know, to be competitive. Uh, you know, as they begin to learn that you know another agency has those kinds of capabilities, they realize they're you know either they're leaving money on the table or they're being left out of discussions. So therefore, they make it a point you know to engage you know uh, people who understand technology and, uh, and, and and either recruit them as employees or or work with outside you know sources or make acquisitions. But it's becoming more and more vital, you know, in the world of competitive public relations.
1: Are you amazed? Do you see a lot of companies still or a lot of PR agencies that have not embraced technology at all? Or is that going by the wayside as slowly there's none left?
0: There there are probably some, you know, that still do it the old-fashioned way. Uh, and maybe they're successful at it and maybe, you know, they they achieve such an abundance of it, you know, that, that their, uh, their clients are, are happy. But I would say, for the most part, that's not going to uh, sustain itself going uh, going into the future. Uh, the technology has to be vital, and uh, what you do is obviously something that uh, obviously the, the PR agency world is leaning toward more and more.
1: I I love that, and also you know I'm a big fan of PR distribution. I mean, everyone has talked about the you know demise of the wire. But I'm seeing more of the need for the wire because when someone sends a press release, it is not fake news. It is tr- usually real news that um, the wires really pick up because it's coming from, one, a credible source to a credible wire service. And, you know, you get great SEO with PR distribution. I'm finding that people for for, for first time in a long time are actually looking at PR distribution with opportunity as opposed to just checking a box like we're doing an M&A deal, we're going to do a press release, we hire a new executive, we're going to do a press release, so we have to do earnings four times a year, we're going to do a press release. They're using PR distribution and PR in general as a marketing tool as well now, and I am excited about the future.
0: Well, that, that does lead to my next question, Ben, and that is that, do you think that you've uh, succeeded in catching uh, the attention of PR trendsetters with the work that you've done?
1: Absolutely. I think I think we're still in the early innings. It's like the third or fourth inning, Art. Right? We have a, we have a long way to go, but we are still going to each one of them, saying, "What if you can do this? What happens if you combine this? How?" Again, goes back to. How important is data? Don't do things for Vanity Matrix, right? Do things because they're gonna help move the needle for your business. Um, it's not just about getting picked up in a in a in a national magazine or national newspaper. It is about did it drive your message? Did it drive change? And for me, that's where it's all going, and I am definitely seeing there's a, a greater uptick.
0: Well, you know, you obviously add more tools, you know, to the arsenal of uh, public relations, whether it's on the corporate side, the nonprofit, or agency. So modesty aside, what role do you think that you you personally have played in adding data-informed analysis, insights, and guidance to enable to enable better communications and business decisions?
1: I, I think we've been able to put it all in one place. I mean, this is an industry traditionally where – I log on to this account for my media contact database. I log on this for my press release. I log on this account for, you know, this other information. And we've been able to sort of put it all in one platform, one cloud and enable the audience to be able to do a single login, to be able to run their PR campaigns from one location and be able to compare and and combine data. And then the other thing that I think we've done a great job or that I'm really proud of is including video um, in PR and not just a PR message video. How do I embed a video in a press release? How do I use video to get our message across? Not everything has to be text. Not everything has to be a graphic. Video, you know what I can say in thirty seconds on video is like a page typewritten, right? so think about that Are you more likely to listen to me speak for fifteen to thirty seconds or read a page of me of something I've typed or wrote, and so it allows you to reach that audience and since we're an audience that's always on the go or a world that's always on the go, being able to do things in video and audio allow me not. I could be driving and listening. I could be on a train and listening. I could be moving, walking in the streets and listening. And that to me is, it's, not, it's print, audio, and video. To me, that's the future of PR.
0: So Ben, uh, your, your focus has been on public relations. So my question is, why why public relations? Did you see something in the practice of public relations that attracted you to it? In terms of the contributions you could make, why public relations are not not some other niche yeah,
1: so so to be honest it's not just for me when it comes to video and video streaming it's not just PR it is it's healthcare it's IR you know it's technology, it's you know hybrid digital events. I had the privilege of writing a book on how do you do run a hybrid event, whether you're doing it all physical, you're doing it virtual, you're doing it combined. PR is just one of the areas that we saw incredible opportunity. And I saw an area that hasn't changed in a long time, that was right to be have innovation added to it. And that, to me, is what really attracted me to PR. I've always been impressed with PR and PR professionals, and what they're able to accomplish, I think that you know, you know the chief marketing officer sometimes gets a lot more of the credit, but the reality is to me is, your PR and your PR messaging, and your PR leader is, like I said, it's about that earned media At the same, For the first time, I think earned media and paid media just as equal importance for Fortune 500, Fortune 1000, even small and medium-sized companies.
0: And you were president of Notified, which obviously uh was the world's only communications cloud for events, public relations and investor relations. What are you doing like right now? What is what is the moniker you're under and kind of what is your your current day job, if you will?
1: Um, I sit on the advisory board for for, for Notified and I continue to look at the world and see how we continue to innovate. Um What's the next great thing? I mean, that's what as, you know, as someone who's always spent his career just a little bit ahead of where the curve is, I right? fell in love with streaming when we were still, you know, doing terrestrial television, fell in love with virtual events when people were still doing physical events, um, fell in love with adding video to press releases when people were still just doing print. So for me, it's constantly educating, constantly listening and seeing what's out there and getting excited about the future. So I'm open. I mean, it's actually a great time for me because I still get to advise the legacy company, see where they're going to go for the future, and it's amazing. Um, I'm so proud of that and the entire organization. But I'm also excited about what's next, you know, what, what's around the corner for me. And, Art, as soon as I know, I'll let you know.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm sure it will be uh, in- extraordinary, as, as your career has already been. Um, ben, you've got a new book called Transitioning to Virtual and Hybrid Events, How to Create, Adapt, and Market an Engaging Online Experience. Tell us about the book. Tell us what you why you wrote it. Uh, what you uh, say in it and what you hope to achieve with it.
1: So, you know, um, during COVID, I was approached by Wiley Publishing and they said, hey, you want to write a book? Because um, you know so much about virtual events. And I said, oh, I, I that'd be really interesting. Um, how long does it normally take someone to write a book and how many words? They said, oh, 40,000 words. And you need to take someone like five or six months. But we need your book in like two months because we want to get it out (laughs) to the audience who they need it. And then, and of course, never writing, written a book before. I was like, sure, I'll do that. And then I spent every morning from 4 a.m. to like 8 a.m. writing the book and then doing my day job. And then from like 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. writing the book. But the main reason to write the book was there were so many people out there who were forced to move to the world of virtual and then get ready to move back as COVID, you know, subsided a little bit back to physical, how do I create a playbook for you? Um, this is a book full of stories. It's a full, there's, there's charts, um, there's checklists, just things to think about when you're producing a virtual-only event or a hybrid event because it's not just about taking a physical event, putting a camera back in the back of the room and streaming it, you can't say that's a virtual event. you got to understand both audiences. How is a physical audience going to interact with an event and what happens to a virtual audience? How are they going to have an engaging experience? And then the best part about hybrid is it's all about how many more people am I going to be able to reach? When I do a physical event, if I can only fit 1,000 people in that room, Only 1,000 people are getting my content. When I do a virtual event, I have an unlimited audience size that I could capture. So I always look at it as anyone doing a a physical event, if you have 1,000 people attending your event and you make it virtual, whether you charge, you make it free. And let's say you get another 500 people or another 1,000 people, you've either added 50% to your audience or you double the size, you're getting your message out. If you have sponsors, they get to reach a larger audience If you have exhibitors, they get to reach a larger audience. And like I've always said, content's king. And if you're going to create all that content for a three-day conference, why aren't you going to capture it, reuse it, cut it into small bite-sized chunks, and then also be able to spread the word and build your own, I don't know, your own corporate Netflix, right? Your own shows where you have all your content in one place, so your audience can come and engage.
0: You know, uh COVID has obviously had a very negative effect on uh, our society and the world and it's it's really made extraordinary changes in the way we live. But on the upside, if there is an upside, you know, it's made some changes in the way we communicate and and typically live in you know in modern day society. Has COVID been uh, an important factor in in let's say in enhancing yeah you know, the, uh, the, the your goals and the vision you have?
1: Yes, because we've all been forced to work from our homes, and technology has enabled us to continue to do our jobs and continue to communicate with our colleagues, friends, and family, um, and clients, prospects. And so I think going forward, listen, we're all dying to get back together in physical events, Right. You and I are, we should have lunch together. We wanna to do that physically. Nothing's ever gonna change going to a conference and shaking hands. Nothing's gonna change being in office and seeing your colleagues. But now we have all know we can use technology to achieve a lot and engage. And one of my favorite things that we got out of COVID is there used to be a lot of executives who were very shy about getting on camera. Well, guess what? For the last two and a half years, Everyone's been on a camera, whether it's on a a Zoom call, a Teams call, a webcast, a webinar. You know, it doesn't make a difference. So I think people are going to embrace video in so many new and different ways as we go forward. I can't wait to see what they do.
0: You know, your your, uh, CV... Indicates that you've been, you've had an extraordinarily busy career. You've developed tools that others use, which mm-hmm. makes you a visionary, and uh, that's why you qualify in being a PR master. Um, is this a role that you ever envisioned for yourself as, as, as a young man?
1: No, I thought I was going to be in the music business as an agent. Right, I started out in the music industry, and I thought I was going to be booking bands for my whole life. And then, like I said, I, by accident, fell in love with streaming media. And I just, a light went off in my head. It wasn't planned. It wasn't premeditated, right? It was, I saw something. And from that point on, I just find myself a, I like to be educated by technology. Technology excites me. I mean, someone would ask me, what device or what technology changed you most The iPod. When Steve Jobs came out with the iPod and allowed me to have 10,000 songs or theoretically 10,000 songs on one device and take my music with me anywhere I went and I didn't have to have a Walkman, you know, with a cassette player or a DVD in it (laughs) and not all my music in one place changed my life. And then I had a BlackBerry, right? So between a BlackBerry so I can stay in Uh, contact with everyone in text and, and an iPod, changed my life forever made me always thinking of what technologies will keep on moving things forward and it's just a thirst for for education and a thirst for new and innovative technology and i still do it i probably spend i don't know an hour a day just looking at new technologies whether it's in the pr space the streaming Mm -hmm. space or just the general technology space because I want to be educated. I don't want this all to fly by me and not be part of it.
0: You know, I remember the days, you know, when we were all just first getting getting into computers. Uh, That may date me, but that is the case. Sitting in front of a computer for the first time, I I remember that day. And yet, here we are today, uh, where you're you can be you're in touch with whatever whatever is going on in your world, like 24 hours a day, you know, with smartphones and iPads and mobile devices, and what have you. Has that made a difference in what you do?
1: Absolutely. The ability to be on all the time and connected. Listen, bandwidth is the thing, if you have to pick one piece of technology, right, that's really changed the world is, again, in 1999, you know, you are on AOL, right? You had dial-up connection, and maybe if you were lucky, maybe you had a DSL connection. Um, and then it grew to having a T1 in your office. You had broad, broadband in your office, but you didn't have it at home. But now look where it is. Even I could, I could be on a train and I could be watching a movie on my iPhone. I could be on a plane and I could, I could be texting and emailing my colleagues and my family. Uh, I could be in one location and take a video and share it with anyone instantly in the world. Bandwidth is like the greatest invention ever, and it's so self-correcting. It's just getting better and better and faster, and that, to me, that's what it's all about. How do we keep on using technology to become better parents, um, better business people, and better human beings?
0: And where do you think the PR industry is today? How how far do you you're an observer of it, obviously, and you're very much yep. involved with it. How far do you think it's come, and where do you think it needs to go? Obviously, we you know we've talked a lot about the technology and virtual events and what have you, but uh, but as a whole, what's what's your sense of it?
1: I, I think it still needs to come out of you know I, I don't want to call it it's still. It still needs to mature. And when I say mature, I mean, it's a very mature industry. But embrace technology. Don't be scared of technology. Try new things. All businesses need to constantly evolve. And I find PR has always been one of the slowest to evolve. Um, And PR tech has been slow to get adoption. But it is needed more now than ever And every PR professional out there, engage technology, ask questions, ask the most important question, what if I could do this, what would I get out of it? That, to me, is one of the best, best parts. And that's where I think PR and the PR industry has to go, art going forward, embrace technology even more than they are right now.
0: So what's on the horizon for virtual events?
1: I think virtual events, in general art, they are now just gonna be the fabric of all events. Um, I think the term virtual event, hybrid event, physical event, are all gonna to morph together and an event is an event in this an event. And if you're having an event, there's gonna be some element of it that's gonna be virtual, available in the cloud, and there's gonna be some element of it physical. And it's gonna be more 365. So my prediction is it's not gonna be like Here's a three-day conference, and there's going to be a physical and virtual element. There'll be 365 days of content. Um, sometimes it will peak with a physical event, and a lot of people in one location. Sometimes it will peak with a virtual event, but the content will be there all the time. And why does a vir- why does a physical event or a virtual event have to only be these three days? Like every conference you and I have ever gone to, or these two days, it should be always on, always connected. And if an event is an event, is an event, is how I look at it.
0: Ben, I, I have a few more questions for you, and this has to do with uh, questions of, of a personal nature, if you will. Mm-hmm. I notice that you are, uh, aside from, obviously, your many business roles, you you enjoy spending time, obviously, with your family. And I notice noticed here on your bio that you're interested in boxing, yoga, traveling, and training for your first triathlon. Can you tell us a little about these interests of yours? So
1: I'm really into mind and body exercise, right? So I wake up every morning between four thirty and five o'clock. I have to do sixty to ninety minutes of exercise. I find it's the only time of the day that belongs to me. And when I'm working out, whether when you're boxing and you're thinking about combinations, you're using your mind and your body. When I swim run and bike training for a triathlon, you're thinking about the miles you're putting in, the distance you're going. It allows me to decompress from everything else that's going on in the world. Um, It allows me to decompress from work, allows me to decompress from day-to-day life, and allows me to decompress from what's going on in the world. And I feel like it's the only time that I own that belongs to me. And it's the most probably outside of my family, um, my wife and my two kids. Um, it's the most important thing to me because it keeps me balanced and in check.
0: And who are your heroes?
1: That is a great question. I have I have two heroes. Um, one hero is someone I even mentioned in the book. Um, I had a job in high school, and the first person. And I didn't grow up with a lot of money, had to work, um, wasn't the best student in the world, but I had a job. And this guy had this little nut and bolt factory, and I would work there after school. And the owner of it, this guy named Sam, he believed in me, um, and he encouraged me. And then when I went to college, when he happened to be in that area, he'd visit me. So he was the first person who showed me – who truly believed that I would accomplish something. He also taught me how to manage people. I am all about building culture and people. And we would work in his warehouse. And if he had to get an emergency order out, he would go to a bunch of like five or six of us to work there. There were 16, 17-year-olds in high school. And I learned this whole combination of pizza and beer. He would sit there and go, if you guys will stay for an extra two hours, you know, stay at like 9 o'clock tonight and get this order out, Not only will you get paid, but I'll bring in pizza and beer. And being 16-, 17-year-old kids, we're like, pizza and beer. We'll work all night long if you're going to give us pizza and beer. And what I learned is we thought he just cared about us, right? And by giving us something that we wanted and needed and liked, um, it allowed us to have this incredible loyalty to him. And I've always learned in business, you got to treat people with respect. you got to tell them that you care about them. And you always got to feed the team. Whether you're in the world of production, feed the crew. Whether you're in a business world and people are doing something extra, feed them. And it's funny because I've also learned from that is I love entertaining because I love to feed people. It gives me joy to have a glass of wine and feed a friend or colleague. It just allows great conversation. It builds a bond. And there's an element of intimacy to it because it's not, you know, just the same old thing. So Sam is one of my heroes. Um, And then I would also say another hero of mine is I'm a big Einstein fan. Um, And I don't know why Um, you made me just think of it. I like inventors. I like people who change the world. And I just think Einstein is one of those rare geniuses that come once in a you know, once in a lifetime, once in a couple of lifetimes that can actually help you think differently. And um those are my two heroes.
0: Great. Right. All I can say is E equals M C squared. <laughs>
1: exactly, but, exactly.
0: I, it goes back to my, my, Who would you
1: have dinner with? Yeah, you know, like who would you live or dead, who would you want to have dinner with? Oh, Mine boy. would be Einstein would be one of them and, and so And so would Sam, you know, so.
0: Oh, I would definitely want to, since I know, since I've heard of Einstein, I would definitely love to have dinner with him and maybe you could join us. Would you mind joining us?
1: Uh, Art, anywhere, anytime. You just invite me.
0: (laughs) I have one final question, Ben. This has been great. And I thank you for your time. Uh, My final question is, how do you want to be remembered?
1: Oh, you know what? I've said this to teammates before globally. Um, I think you die twice, Art. You die the first time you die, and you die the second time no one remembers you. I want to be remembered as someone who empowered his teams, Um, my coworkers, my employees. I want to be known as someone who gave someone just a little bit more confidence or gave them an opportunity, and it helped make their life or their business just a little bit better. That's how I want to remember. Not for anything particularly I did, just for maybe how I made someone feel along the way.
0: That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, Ben Choder, on behalf of our listeners and uh, and subscribers to Compro, I thank you for joining us today on PR Masters and, and for sharing your insights into the world of the state of the art and of public relations tools and technologies. And it's quite clear, Ben, that you're contributions to the PR professionals truly qualify you as a PR master. And I hope that those of you out there in the world of podcasts recognize Ben's contributions and how you yourselves have benefited and can benefit. Uh, So thank you all. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Ben, for joining us. And thank you for another PR Masters podcast. This is Art Stevens signing off and wishing each of you joy, health, and success.